Now please welcome Michael Hansen as we kick off a new series. Hey. Hey. Good morning, everyone. Um, this morning, I get to <clears throat> uh, get to kick off a new series. Uh, we're going to be looking at the New Testament book of, of uh, Galatians. Okay, I thought there would be just this oh, chairs flying. But uh, really, I've been excited to look at this. It'll be the next, I think, five or six weeks we'll be going through the book of Galatians. And uh, the author of this book is Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I think it's, it's, this is a unique book in the sense that uh, it was written right around A.D. 50. And some uh, scholars believe it was even earlier than that. So that makes it like 15 plus years from the death of Jesus. So an event that would have been fresh in people's minds. And uh, Paul wrote this letter. Uh, to the churches in the province of Galatia, which is modern-day uh, Turkey. And uh, uh, these are churches that Paul would have planted himself and, uh, as he went on his missionary journeys and, and the way he would have kept in touch with these uh, churches. It wasn't He didn't have a Facebook group. He would have sent them letters. And it's really important as we go through this, uh, look at this book of Galatians, that we remember that what we're going through is a letter. Right? Like years and years ago, Paul wasn't sitting there going, I'm writing a textbook or I'm writing a training manual like those 2017 in Ohio. Like, I mean, he had no idea that this would end up in the Bible. So it's, it, we have to remember that it's a letter that it's, it's from, a, from this guy, Paul, to, to his friends, to people that he knew and loved. And what we'll see is uh, today and as we get into this series, people that he was really, uh, really concerned about and and when you look at one of Paul's letters, it, a really good question to ask is, okay, why did he write this letter? And, and why that's important is because if, if you're familiar with Paul's writings, you know that I would say I think every, well, almost every letter that he has written was written to address something that was going on in the church he was sending the letter to, right? Something was getting stirred up. And it's no, in Galatia, it was very, uh, the churches in Galatia, there, there really was something going on that Paul was addressing, and what it was was there's a group of Jewish Christians. Uh, you may be familiar with the term uh, Judaizers, and they were coming. You know, after Paul had left, the churches were planted in Galatia. They came into town, and they were visiting these churches, and they literally were were twisting or perverting the gospel message that Paul uh, that Paul would have taught them. And Paul would have taught them. This is sort of the the message he would have taught these these uh, young Christians. Ephesians two eight says this. Paul would have said, hey, you guys, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's what Paul would have taught them. But these, these false teachers were, were saying, well, okay, actually, actually, you're going to have to add something to your faith. Right? And, and we'll get to this a little later, but they were, they were, they were pointing to, to uh, you know, uh, the law of Moses, the Mosaic law. And they're saying, you know, if you guys really want to be saved, you're going to have to add a few things to, uh, uh, to this, this faith that you have. And, and what we'll see in this letter, this letter has a unique tone because it's obvious Paul is ticked. Right? It's obvious that it's like they just stirred up Papa Bear. Right? And, he, and he's like, you say what? You know, like he's, he is so concerned. He's, he's concerned not only for the people, but I think he's even more concerned for the gospel. He's more concerned for this, the gift that God offers to it. That, and that 
his concern is that the gift was in danger of losing its giftness, if you will. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, you may or may not know this. My wife, Helen, was born in London, England. And uh, underneath every chair, there's a crumpet. So, uh, see if anyone looks. Uh, but uh, years ago, I wanted to surprise Helen with a gift. And uh, she'd been talking about wanting to get a thumb ring. And a thumb ring is a ring that goes in your thumb. You can write that down. I learned that. And, and so I thought, oh, okay, here's my chance. So I went online, and I found this company in Wales. And I ordered this beautiful uh, yellow and white gold uh, ring that had all this Celtic, you know, uh, like Celtic knots and all this cool stuff on it. And, and the plan was, I was trying to work this whole thing out. The plan was... The company in Wales was going to make it. They were going to send it to Vancouver. Uh, and like two months after I ordered it, we were going to be back in Vancouver. And I thought, this is going to be perfect. Helen's not going to know, you know, and uh, uh, we'll show up in Vancouver and whoo, there'll be this cool gift for her. Well, it was, the plan seemed like it, it, was, it was going so well until the ring got stuck in customs at, in, uh, in Canada. And where suddenly, suddenly this gift that was paid in full Suddenly, someone is saying, well, actually, to get this gift, you're going to have to fill out all these forms, and you're going to have to pay this duty. You see what I mean? Suddenly, the gift was in danger of losing its, its giftness. And Paul wrote Galatians to defend the simplicity and the necessity of, of the gospel. And uh, as we move into this series, this letter was written, and we, again, we need to really keep this in our minds, that this letter was written to believers, Right? And, and one of the themes or one of the truths that we're going to see in Galatians, and this is in your notes, or it will be in a second, is this, is, here's a theme in, in Galatians. It's this. It's what gets you in keeps you in. Right? I'm referring to the gospel. What gets you in keeps you in. And if you were raised in the church or you've been in the church for a while, typically when we hear the word gospel, you know, where does our mind go? I, I think typically our, our mind goes to like, like uh, formulas, or, or, or we, it's sort of a picture we have of, I'm going to teach the gospel to a non-Christian. Well, let me show you the steps you need to take to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Well, as we look at this, uh, the book of Galatians, what we're going to see in this series, we're going to uh, be reminded that the gospel, that this, this gift that God offers to us, it's not just the ABCs. Like, it's not just what gets you in. But this, this, the, the gospel, it's really the A to Z's. It's what keeps you in. So what gets you in keeps you in. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into uh, Galatians 1. So Lord, uh, again, we do not take for granted your presence here. It really does change everything to, to know and sometimes feel that you're here, Lord. And I pray that uh, as I'm talking, that you would be moving around the room. You know everyone who's here. You know what we're thinking, we're feeling, we're worried about, we're excited about. Just, just the, whole, the whole spectrum of, of humanity. You're in tune with us today. And I pray that you would uh, just come be personal with each one here. Lord, the theme of this book is freedom. The freedom we have in you. And I pray that there would be lots of freedom because of you. Here today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to turn your Bibles, Galatians 1. If 
you don't have a Bible, we have them at the front and in the back. And please, if you've got one, uh, turn to Galatians. It's just after uh, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. And uh, go eat popcorn Cody. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, that's the start of my book. Okay, let's, uh, Galatians 1, verses 1 to 5. Here we go. So Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, uh, number one in your notes <clears throat> is just this question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And the Greek word that's typically used throughout the New Testament for gospel is uh, euagelion. I think that's how you say it, euagelion, and it means, you can see there, it means, it means good news. And this Greek word is where we get the word uh, evangelist or evangelism from, and, and so asking the question, what is the gospel? Well, the, the gospel is good news. Well, then another question would be, well, what's the good news? And Paul, knowing what's going on in this, this community of churches, right off the top of this letter, he goes right to it to spell out for, him, for them what the good news is. And verses 3 to 5 says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, who what? What did he do? He gave himself for our sins. Well, why? Why did he give himself? To rescue us. Rescue us? Rescue us from who? From the present and evil age, or present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, was his plan, to whom be glory forever and ever. Why? Why glory forever and ever? Because it was all him. The rescuing was all him. And, and the good news is that Jesus did something for us that we could never do. We could never do ourselves. And apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus, the human condition is that, is that we're trapped. We're, we're chained up. We're under the control of this evil world, of the enemy who has, who, you know, who, who has authority and power and limited uh, over this earth. We're, apart from Jesus, we're trapped. But the good news is that Jesus has rescued us. And a good question would be, well, how has he rescued us? And I think, you know, it's no wonder that we sing about, we talk about the cross all the time. Because it was on the cross that Jesus rescued us. We're all lined up. We're all guilty. We're all sinners. And Jesus steps up, who never has and never will, sinned, perfect. He steps up and says, the punishment that they're supposed to get, put it on me. He takes it on himself so that we can go free. So actually, or more accurately, when we ask the question, uh, what is the gospel? I think a better question is, who is the gospel? Because the gospel isn't, I mean, it's not a formula. It's not a teaching. It's, it's, it's not the Roman's road, right? The gospel is, is a who. It's Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. I mean, imagine, okay, just imagine if this room was a pond, uh, and someone's out in the middle of the pond, and they're swimming, and, and they're starting to struggle. And I'm standing on the shore, and I think, ooh, I think that guy's in trouble. And suddenly I realize, whoa, he's really in trouble. And if I yell, help, you know, help, uh, 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 this guy needs to be rescued. And somebody comes running up, and he looks, and he sees the problem, and he goes, 
quick, someone throw him a how to swim manual. I mean, think about that, right? Or, or even if you threw him a rope, what good is a rope unless there's someone on the other end of that rope? See, the gospel is not just some idea. The gospel is not uh, a formula. The gospel is a who. It's, it's Jesus. When we share the gospel, we're sharing Jesus. When we invite people in, you know, to, to, to receive the gospel, really what we're saying is, do you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus? Right? It's not, do you want to embrace some teaching? Do you want to embrace some rules? Do you want to embrace, you know, no. Do you want to embrace a person, Jesus? And, and the beauty of how Jesus rescued us is that it wasn't a Lone Ranger rescue. Remember Lone Ranger? I realize that for some people, they probably know, don't even know who the Lone Ranger is. What was that? Oh, I got a heckler. I got a heckler already? <laughs> okay. Um, so there's, you know, Jesus is not a lone ranger rescuer. What I mean is someone's struggling and help, help. And pur, 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 pur. here he comes and he throws his rope out and he pulls him in. Are you all right, son? Yeah, I'm okay. Well, see you later. Hi-ho, silver. And he rides off in the sunset and you're watching him leave, and you're like, who was that masked man? And, and then somebody goes, man, I wish he would stick around, because people are drowning here all the time, right? It's not a lone ranger rescue. When Jesus rescues us, it's like, I've got you, and I'll never let go. I've got you, and, and, and I'm here to stay. So really what I started off with, what gets you in, keeps you in, it's more like who got you in, he keeps you in. See, when Jesus... Uh, you know, when Jesus rescues us, it's not like, let me give you a hug, here's the manual, now off you go. Right? Because he knows our human condition. He knows that we don't just need the gospel once. We don't just need to be rescued once. Right? Because I don't know about you, but I keep falling in the water. And I know I'm not alone in that. We need to be rescued over and over and over. And, you know, in the book of, of John, Jesus gives this... Uh, Really, this beautiful picture of, of the gospel, of this, of this relationship that we have with him. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus says this, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as I look over this room, I know probably the majority of this room goes, you know, you could recite that verse backwards and forwards. But think about that. Jesus is saying, you want to know what a relationship with me looks like? It looks like this. It's, it's a vine and a branch. Because like you never hear a branch say, uh, hey, I'm good. You can drop me off here. I think I've got this figured out. Because what happens when a branch is disconnected from the vine? It, it, it dries up. It's lifeless. And what Jesus is saying is this, you know, this gospel, what got you in or who got you in keeps you in, we've been invited into a 24-7 forever relationship with the vine, with the giver of life. And, you know, and here's what I know this morning. <clears throat> I know that there are people here today that you're weary, that you're, you're doubting so much of your faith and all these questions, and there's, you know, there's, you're, there's a sadness, and you're exhausted, and, and, and it's because, uh, or, or, or you feel like a disconnected branch. And, our, and the human condition is not only that we keep disconnecting, but then we start plugging into other vines that don't give us what we need. 
And so, you know, think, I was thinking about this when I got to this, this part of the, of the talk, is, you know, this whole thing of we always need to be rescued. We keep falling in the water. We always need to be reconnected. We keep, <clears throat> we keep disconnecting from, from the vine. You know, that's probably one of the main reasons why we take time, pretty much every time we gather, to pray for each other. When we gather on the weekend, we, we always end the service, let's pray for one another. In small groups, you should be taking time in small groups to pray for each other. Almost every meeting we have, we will take time to pray for each other. Because really, when we say, when we ask this question, uh, you know, who wants to get prayer? Really what we are saying is, who wants to be rescued by Jesus? Who wants to be reconnected to the vine? Right? And one of the things that I pray for our, ch- for our church is that we would be a church that the culture of this church, when, on the weekends, small groups, whatever we're doing, that when we say, who wants prayer, that it would be like, all right, finally he said the question. Right? That, that, uh, that the front would be packed. That, that our small groups, every hand would go up. And here's why. Here's why I, I pray for that. Is, is, well, it's for two things. One is this. That, uh, that asking for prayer, whether it's coming forward, putting up your hand, whatever it is, asking for prayer is so good for us as human beings because it reminds us of our condition. One day, we won't disconnect all the time from the vine. One day in heaven, it'll be eternal. You know, we'll be playing hockey all the time, and it will be, and we'll never disconnect. But this side of heaven, we disconnect. So when you say, yes, I'd like prayer, it's good for us to admit our condition because it's the truth. So that's number one. Number two is uh, when we put up our hand, ask for prayer, come forward for prayer, that step of faith gives glory to God because what you are saying is, I believe he can rescue me. I believe that him and only him is able to reconnect me. Does that make sense? Because the truth is right now in this room, I think if I could see the way God sees, there are people that are, you're going under the water. And like, don't leave today. Don't leave today in that condition that you could be rescued, that God can meet you at whatever the issue is, whatever the fear is, the struggle, whatever it is, that he can meet you. The gospel can come and meet you. So number one, what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus. Uh, Numero dos. Number two is the attack on the gospel. Right? The attack on the gospel. We're going to read verses 6 to 9 says this. <clears throat> Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So that is is strong language from Paul. And again, if you're you're familiar with Paul and and his letters, uh, typically he, he greets the people and then he goes into this whole time of giving thanks. I thank God for you and he thanks, but not this letter. Again, Papa Bear is... Papa Bear is is upset, and he right away addresses this issue that someone, someone is messing with the good news. 
Someone is messing with, with the, the gospel. And, he, and again, he's referring to the Judaizers. These are Jewish Christians. And they're coming in and they're bringing confusion. And, and basically what they're saying is, you know, they're coming into this church and they're saying, hey, now remember you guys to these, you know, these young Galatian believers. Uh, remember uh, that Jesus was a Jew. Remember that this, this is a Jewish religion. Like this thing, it got its start in Jerusalem. So if you Gentiles, which means you, anyone other than, you know, any non-Jews, you, if you Gentiles want to really, get, if you, if you want to get saved, well, then you need to become Jewish. You need to start complying with the, you know, the laws uh, that God gave to Moses, and, you know, uh, the, the, the dietary laws. You can eat this, but you can't eat that. Uh, guys, you're going to have to get circumcised, right? And, and they're laying this out, and Paul is like, in this letter, he's saying, no. No, that, that is not, that, that is not, that's not a gospel. The gospel that they're trying to present to you, and really, it's, it's not a gospel at all. Because what is a gospel? Gospel is good news. It's good news. And Paul's like, that's not good news, right? Because you were saved by what? By grace. You were saved by grace. What they're saying is, is works, they're saying the gift that was free, now you've suddenly got to earn the gift. And Paul's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saved by grace, not by works, not by observing the law. You don't earn it. Because right? the problem is when you take grace and you add works to it, well, you nullify the grace. It's like, uh, it's either free or it isn't free. Like, it can't be partially free. Could you imagine you go to a store like, look at this baby right here. we got a Roland RD700. It's free today. And you're like, awesome, it's free. Well, it's partially free. Well, wait a minute. That, that's not free then, is it? It's just like cheaper. <laughs> but it's not free. It can't be partially free. And there's this, there's this little story in the Bible that, uh, that really captures the beauty of this gift that God gives us. That, that it totally drives home that it's a gift we could never earn and it's a gift that we don't have to earn. Like, remember Jesus, as he's coming to the end of his life, and he's hanging on the cross, and remember he had a, he had a criminal on, uh, on, on either side of him, and this is out of Luke 23, it says, uh, verse 39 says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Well, save yourself and us. I like that he says that. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now think about that. I mean, what a beautiful picture of grace of, of, of being saved by the goodness of God, him giving us what we don't deserve, saved by grace through faith. I mean, the faith is we need to accept the gift. But to be saved by grace and not by works, because, I mean, look at that guy. What did this, the guy that Jesus said this to, what did he do to deserve or earn this gift? Like, what did he do? What did he do? I mean, I mean, really, he, what he did is he went the opposite. I mean, he was a thief. He, I mean, I don't think he tithed on his earnings. Okay, no. If this is a room full of pastors, they would have, that would have been a knee slapper. Thank you, Giles. Oh, man, this is getting tough. 
you know, I'm sure, as, you know, were his parents out there in the crowd heartbroken? Oh, I knew it would come to this. Right? Did he, uh, like, he, like he didn't even pray the prayer. The church I was raised in, that would have been an issue. Oh, he didn't pray the prayer. How, how, could, it, how could he get in? Like, did he ever give to the poor? Did he, did he go to missions? Did he, I mean, he never read the Bible. He didn't have a quiet time. I mean, just, I mean, I know I'm being a little silly, but I'm not in the sense of. Just think of whatever you put in that you think you need to do to please God. Because this guy did nothing. All he did was throughout the day as he was around Jesus, and they're headed off to their execution, and he's watching Jesus. And he's looking at how, look at how the people are, what they're saying to him, and whether it's, you know, whether it's insults or, it's, or you see the kindness of some people. And just like, I think something started to stir in this guy in his heart. That there's something different about this guy. And really, what you know, it's like, here's another question. How did he know Jesus had done nothing wrong? Like, I don't know. I don't know how. But I think belief and faith started to rise in this man's dying heart. And he's looking at Jesus, and he's just watching all this go on. He's looking at the fact that, you know, like a lamb sled led to slaughter, he was silent. And I'm sure the other, you know what I mean? I can just imagine the, the, the language or just the, you know, all the, that would have gone on if you're going to get crucified. And Jesus is silent. And I'm sure he's looking at him thinking, there is something about this guy. And again, belief and faith. And really all it took for him to get in on the gift, if you will, is just to go, well, I think I see something. And what I think I see is amazing. And so if that's true, I went in. And really, that's his, that's his prayer, if you will. When you come into your kingdom, I hope it's true, I hope it's true, remember me. And I think Jesus looks at him and just goes, I see that faith in that dying heart. And he just goes, you're in, you're in. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, could you imagine, I mean, if, but if the false teachers had anything to say, it would have been, when the guy said, remember me, Jesus would have said, well, friend, actually... Before you have access, you're going to have to. And the guy's like, well, that's, that's not going to happen because he's in a helpless situation. And the truth is, we are all that thief on the cross. And what I mean is guilty and totally helpless to rescue ourselves apart from Jesus. Dead branches. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we start to discover, start to discover the beauty and benefits of the gospel of a constant relationship uh, with Jesus and dependence on Jesus where, that's right, that's right, you're the vine, I'm the branch. I mean, that's something you could say to yourself every 15 minutes. That's right, you're the vine, I'm the branch. Because doesn't that change everything? Apart from you, I can do nothing but with you. Wow. Connected to the vine? You know, think of what's possible. Listen to this quote from uh, Tim Keller. It says, the gospel... The message that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope, creates a radical new dynamic for personal growth, for obedience, for love. If it's true, this gift, it changes everything. So number three in your notes is this. It's the results of the gospel. The results of the gospel. And I'm going to uh, read from verse 13 on to the end of the chapter. Here's what it says. For you have heard, and this is Paul speaking, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, 
How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, or, or with Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. All right. So number three is the results of the gospel. And really what we just read, it's, it's, it's really it's a, it's a chunk of Paul's testimony, Paul's, uh, Paul's story. And so the, the results of the gospel, and I give you like an equation. It goes like this. Uh, it's a changed life plus freedom to do the work God has given us equals glory is given to God. Right? A changed life plus freedom to do the work God has given us equals glory is given to God. So a changed life. One of the first results. Paul is saying, or, or what, what Paul is saying here is, let me tell you what happens when you encounter the gospel. Right? Let me, and the gospel is not a what. It's a who. Let me tell you what happens when you encounter Jesus. Because he's saying here, man, I was out of control. I was going this way. I was, I was, you know, I was uh, uh, persecuting the church, the followers of Jesus. I was mistreating them. I'm throwing them in jail. I was a murderer. I was killing them, having them killed. And now suddenly, I'm one of them. Like it's like, well, Paul, how is that even possible? That's, talk about a 180. How is that possible? And, and it's simply because I met Jesus. Not because I met an idea or I met a formula or... It's because I met Jesus, and I'll never be the same. And you know, when I look at Paul's story, his testimony, there are three things that jump out, jump out at me that are super encouraging, both for me and for those that I love. And here's, here's what I mean. Number one is this. When we look at Paul's story, the first encouragement is, look who God chooses. I mean, think about that, because I think we're so, if, if, if you've been in the church a long time, all we think about is the... Paul, the church planner. Paul, the, just the radical man for Jesus. But before Jesus, Paul was a tyrant. Right? Paul, Paul was out of control. And I, and I don't think, you know, as Paul is, you know, kicking in doors and, you know, throwing people to jail and having people killed and all the persecute, all that he was doing, I don't think anyone was standing on the wings going, you know what I see in this guy? He's a church planner. Right? Oh, this guy. Now this, you know what I mean? I guarantee, well, other than God, nobody would have seen that in Paul. But I mean, think about that for yourself. Think about that for your loved ones. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, look at who, look at who God chose. Or the second in, uh, encouragement, no one is beyond God's reach. No one has gone too far. Sin is a slippery slope, isn't it? And it's, it's a slope away from God. But there's no one, no one that God's like, oh, oh, sorry, 
he's just gone too far. You know, he's just, he took one step too many. He listened to FM radio once too much. Third, <laughs> third, third encouragement. And think of, especially think of your loved one. Think of that person that you pray for constantly, that weighs on your heart constantly. They are just one encounter with Jesus away from a changed life. I mean, I look at Paul, that is so encouraging to me. One moment, he meets Jesus and everything changes. I think of Christopher's story last weekend. I, I never get tired of Christopher's story. It's so encouraging. And if you missed it, uh, Christopher Meyer, uh, him and his wife Denise are you know, missionaries down in Brazil. It's out on the uh, info counter. Make sure you pick it up. Because it is such a beautiful story. Christopher called it his personal Pentecost. When he, in his mind, he'd ruined it all. Right? He talked about addiction to heroin, and I mean, look who God chooses, right? This sense that he was beyond God's reach, because he's just blown it. And in one moment, God says, really? So are you ready to go to Brazil now? One moment. Think of your loved one. And again, I'm like, oh God, I wish you would hurry up that moment. At least, to be honest. But God knows what he's doing. And, and, and to think, and like, how encouraging is that to know that that person is one moment, one encounter with Jesus away from a changed life. So number one, the results is a changed life. Number two is freedom to do the work God has given us. And here's what I mean by this. You know, even in Paul sharing his testimony, what I read, there's a, um, there's a real sense of this sort of personal God to Paul. I have set you apart. I have a particular job for you to do, Paul. And he refers to his old life where it's just, you know, when he talks about as a Pharisee and, you know, I, you know how he talked about his zeal and how he was really climbing the ladder. I was beyond those my age where it was, it seems like this competitive, you know, uh, you're, uh, uh, you know, comparing to each other and who's the best and who's, who's advancing quicker and all these things. God's like, no, 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 no. The work I have for you is not like that. It's, it's, it's between you and Paul. This work I have for you, Paul, it's between you, it's between you and me. What I have for you. And, and here's what I mean. When we say yes to Jesus, right, we're, we're rescued. Uh, we enter into this vine branch relationship. He doesn't say, here's your harp. Now go sit on a cloud and strum away. The truth is, he goes, what you have now freely received, this gift. And as you become more and more aware of how glorious this gift is, and it's, and it's an ongoing process, isn't it? As we, as we, the journey of life, we discover more and more, more and more how awesome this gift we've been given uh, really is. And, and what he's saying is, well, you know, now that you've received, now I want you to go and freely give it away. I've got a, I've got a work for you to do. And the, the Ephesians passage I started with ends with this, or uh, let me read it again. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, another result of the gospel is that uh, uh, in this work that God has called us to, now our effort, as we, as we lean into that work, our effort is a joyful response to the gift that we've been given. It's not, our effort is not an attempt to earn that gift. Here's what I mean. I, I, I've told this story before. I had a buddy back in Canada who, he used to be a high school teacher, and 
he had this class just, just for seniors, and, and it was like the class everyone, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't wait to get into grade 12 so that they could take this, this class. And the thing is, to get into this class, he had to pick you. It was a limited size, and he would handpick who got into this class. And there was, a, there was this young gal, high achiever, super stressed out student that came to him one day and said, oh, please, 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 can I get in your class next year? And he said, well, let me think about it, because he knew this gal had a, a reputation for just uh, uh, being a pretty anxious, stressed out student. So he came back to her the next day, and he said, okay, the answer is yes. You can be in my class next year, but on one condition. And I'm sure inside she's going, oh, don't worry, I will work so hard. I will work so hard, you'll be proud of me. He said, the condition is this. You can come in my class next year, but you have to let me give you an A now for the entire year. This is, and this is a true story. It's not from sermonspice.com. <laughs> and she, and she, it's like, what? You're going to give me an A now? But I haven't done anything yet. But, but that's really what we see in the gospel. In this gift that we've been given. And, and you know, and, 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 I, and I remember he shared in the story, he said, now do you think that girl went to the class and just sat back and read comic books? No way. This girl's a worker. She worked really hard. But you know what? She had a blast. Because she didn't have to worry about the results. She didn't have to worry about the grades. She just got to do the stuff. And see, it's the same for us. The gospel says because of what Jesus did, because of this gift he offers. Basically, he's saying, hey, you want, you want this gift? Yeah, I want this gift. You get an A for the rest of your life. In this work that he's called you into, the way that he wants to shine through you, Right? The way that he wants you to be a witness to your neighbors, to you know, the, the people that you come in contact with, what he's telling you up front is that you get an A in this area. Like, wouldn't that make it, doesn't that make a difference? Like I'm talking now to all the perfectionists. Doesn't that make a difference to know you got an A? Chill. I'm chill as in don't just go sit in your chair. Relax. You can, now, you can now reach out to your neighbors. You can now reach. I mean, you can now try to, you know, point people to Jesus, however he has gifted you, whether it's with words or actions, whatever it is. You can now start doing that with no worries for, for, the, uh, for the results. Now, that not that good news? Like, so the pressure's off. This, this side of heaven, the pressure's off in this work that he's given us. So let, me, let me wrap up here. Finally. Changed life, plus freedom to do the work uh, uh, God has given us. The result is, or it equals, glory is given to God. Let me, again, read the last two verses of, of Galatians 1. It says, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. I've always thought, that's kind of a funny verse. God was glorified and praised because of a changed life. Like, are you kidding me, Paul? Are we talking about the same guy? He's now standing up in churches and, and just proclaiming the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. Isn't this the guy that was yelling the opposite like weeks ago or years ago or whatever it was? And isn't it amazing? And, or, or wouldn't you agree? Did I just turn off? Okay. <laughs> I have so many things I could say. Isn't it interesting that one of the primary ways 
<laughs> oh. I'll take it. I'll take it. Isn't it interesting that one of the primary ways that God works through you and I, right, one of the primary ways that he introduces people to Jesus through you and I, it's, it's not through our words. It's through how we live our lives. I mean, we, it rains on us just as much as it rains on anyone else. But in the midst of that, there's hope. In the midst of that, there's a place where we can go and make those exchanges with the worries and the fears. And there's, there's a difference. There's a, in, in, in our struggle in life, we can, at the end of the day, when we put our head in the pillow, go, do I still get an A? Yes, son, daughter, you got an A. Right? It makes a difference. And, it's, and again, in the end, in the end, as we just live out our lives, walking with Jesus, this vine branch relationship, discovering daily, on and on and on, how awesome this gift really is. The, the end of that, the, the goal of that, is that God gets the glory due his name because it's all him. No one has earned it. No one has done anything to deserve it. It's all him. So why don't we stand up? Here's how we're going to end off. Let's just quiet ourselves. We've got a nice chunk of time. Michael, you, can, you guys can come on up. So let's just, let's just uh, if it helps to close your eyes and, or even to open your hands, just a sense of, okay, God, I'm listening. Okay, God, I'm open to you. So Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you here. And Lord, we, uh, you're the vine. And there's a, there's a bunch of branches in this room. So what do you want to do right now? You're the source of life. What do you want uh, to give us right now? Come, Lord. Just come, Lord. you'd calm our hearts. What we need right now is you. Kathy, do you want to go? I think, yeah, you go ahead, go ahead and just share it. Um, while we were worshiping this morning, um, I saw Jesus enter this sanctuary, and he spoke a word that um, there are many, many needs, and each of us have many, many needs. And I saw him start row by row going to each person. We were all sitting and he, and he kneeled before us and he looked into our eyes and he said, what is it that you need? I can provide everything that you need. And Jesus was not in a hurry. He took as much time as that person needed. 
And I think he just wanted to encourage us to come before him to pray with others about those needs. And Jesus will meet us right there. And it's not magical. It's who God is. Hmm. And he just invites us into his presence for that. Mm. So that's what we're going to do. And, and whether it's a physical need, an emotional need, relational, financial, whatever, all. We just want to open the front for you to come to Jesus, to come and be rescued today. To come and be reconnected to the vine. Uh, and one, let me piggyback one thing on what Kathy said. I, I just saw, really in that picture, I saw Jesus, you know, the vine, the flow from the vine to the branch. And, and in some branches, it just got stopped. It got pinched off. And the, it's like the branch wouldn't receive what the vine was giving it. And I felt like the Lord said, for some of us, there's a, there's a deep sense of shame that you feel that, no, I am out of his reach. I've gone too far. Whether it was something you did or something done to you, if that's you, and I know that's sensitive, and, but I would encourage you especially to come to Jesus today because he wants to remove that shame and it would just open you up as a branch to receive all that he has for you today. So Michael's going to lead us in a song. Uh, uh, I just encourage you to come forward for prayer and let's just make sure everyone that comes forward has someone praying for him, guys for guys, gals for gals, but uh, come to Jesus this morning. Father, you're holy. Jesus, you're worthy. Spirit, you're lovely. God, you're wonderful. Let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them. Father, we need you. We love you, Spirit. You're welcome here, God. You're wonderful, Father. Jesus of mine. 
Thank you for your presence and for uh, just for all the ways you're coming close, for all the ways you're, you're just being the vine right now, Lord, reconnecting and bringing life and identity. Let me, sh- let, me, let, me, let me show you what kind of branch you are. Let me show you what kind of fruit I want to grow through you. Lord. I pray this week. So all that we'll be doing, that, uh, uh, that you would constantly remind us that just that, that picture of our relationship, you the vine, me the branch. Lord, I pray that you would, you would keep that in our minds and hearts all throughout this week. Just thank you for your patience and faithfulness as we walk this journey with you. And we just we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're getting prayer, feel free to continue. For the rest of you, don't forget, 6 o'clock tonight, we've got the rib cook-off. Hope to see you there. But uh, some sign-ups in the lobby, check it out. But we will see you next week. Have a wonderful weekend.